Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, good evening. The time is now 6 p.m. and we are here with our partners of the Kane County State's Attorney's Office uh, and St. Charles uh, PD as well and AAIM. Uh, good to see you guys this evening. We'll be talking about the DUI courts, um, specifically the work being done by the, D, uh, the DUI unit, and uh, we look forward to a fruitful discussion. This um, episode and interview, as with all of them, will be an uh, audio version as well on Spotify. It will remain. It will also be on uh, Facebook, remain, and YouTube as well, and the links for you guys' uh, associations, units, your department, and King County State Attorney's Office will be in the description as well. All right, how you guys feeling? Great. Good. How are good. you? Oh, okay. All right. It's been a uh, it's been a good day. It's been a really good day. We've got some great things to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about prevention. So looking forward to this. Mm -hmm. uh, as we get started, we're going to go around. Have you guys introduce yourselves and your organizations, and then uh, we'll go into the questions. Um, so we'll start with you. Hi, my name is Carrie Kilpatrick. I am a victim advocate with AIM, which is the Alliance Against Intoxicated Motorists. Um, back in 2014, my 17-year-old son was skateboarding back to his dad's house when a drunk driver that was coming home from the bar was drag racing and hit and killed my son. Uh, I immediately had an advocate, excuse me, <clears throat> um, by my side, and she stuck with me the entire time. I began volunteer speaking at victim impact panels for DUI offenders as a way to cope with my grief. And six years ago, I became an advocate myself. I left my career and started this one. I felt like it was what I was meant to do with the life that's been dealt with, dealt to me. Um, and I love what I do. Okay, all right. So we'll definitely be getting the uh, history of the organization and a uh, little bit more of your role as the uh, discussion goes on so thank you very Excellent. much all right thank you attorney. i'm jamie mosser i am your king county state's attorney i have been since december of 2020 and continue to do so and obviously these facebook live events are to tell our community what we're doing and how we're trying to make things better especially when we see an uptick in cases as we're going to talk about here in dui cases all right all right Katie. Hi, I'm Katie Flanagan. I am the supervisor of the um, DUI and Major Traffic Crimes Unit here at the King County State's Attorney's Office. I have been with the office as an intern since 2013 is when I was first hired. I became a full-time licensed attorney in 2017 and have pretty much spent most of my time in that area focused on DUIs. Um, because I found them interesting and some personal experiences I have had with them um, as well. And in 2022, mm -hmm. I became the supervisor of the DUI Major Traffic Crimes Unit. So that's where I've been and that's what I'm doing now. Congratulations. Thank you. Great. And last but not least. I am uh, Joseph Gaske. I am a police officer with the city of St. Charles, which is in Kane County. I am a patrolman uh, and uh, I've had some, a lot of experience in DUI related uh, activity. And uh, specifically, I am trained as a drug recognition expert, um, which is uh, an ancillary duty that I do. Okay, There's all right. There's a tiny amount of St. Charles and DuPage. Are you too embarrassed yeah. to admit that? <laughs> 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 a sliver of DuPage. <laughs> um, now, we will be talking in detail about the 
DRE um, and some other things too. So for folks um, who may be hearing this and watching it later on, some of the terms that you hear most closely associated with this, um, uh, with this field we'll be digging into in detail because there's some that I learned about as well, um, like Scram as well. So we're gonna smoke it all out this evening. All right, um, so Carrie, we are going to um, start with you about uh, AIM. Mm -hmm. So you've been involved for the past six years. Um, talk about your work as an advocate, both on the terms of you know dealing with your grief and helping others maybe going through it, but then prevention, um, going, you know, ongoing prevention? So my role as an advocate, um, I come to court with victims okay. of impaired driving crashes. I sit with them through the court process. Um, and most importantly is the emotional side. You know, grief doesn't clock out at five o'clock, so neither do I. I'm here anytime anybody needs to talk and we just try to help them get through the worst times of their life. Um, and letting them know that they're not alone. We offer grief groups, um, different community events um, for other, you know, for everybody to get to know one another. And I feel like what we do is really important because it is the loneliest place. You feel like you're the only one in the world. So um, that is super important to me. And can people contact, um, you know, how's the initial connection made um, you know, from a uh, from a victim to the organization? Um, so there's a couple of different ways and it depends on the county. Um, Kane County, for instance, the victim witness will call me and um, have already gotten the family's blessing to give me their contact information. So I'll contact them. Other times, it's just by me finding uh, a news article, you know, and me contacting the family on my own or if I see something on Facebook. Um, so we find them in all different kinds of ways. Um, and I'm sorry, I forgot the second part of your question. Uh, uh, well, the second part was about um, ongoing prevention efforts. Because I know that when you're meeting people and you're dealing with the grief and their grief, it's, it's the alliance against intoxicated. So Correct. as an alliance, um, you know, how's that been with prevention and making those changes? Uh, so we have a lot of different programs. Two of our big programs, um, one is Drunk Busters. Okay. Drunk Busters started in 1990, and it's a program where if you see somebody that you think is drunk and you call 911, and it leads to an, a DUI arrest, you will be given $100 okay. uh, from AIM. Since the inception of the program, um, almost $800,000 in awards has, have been given out, and in 2022, um, I believe it was $22,000, almost $22,000 that was awarded. Wow. Um, so it's oh, 8,600 uh, DUI drivers have been removed from the road because of this program. That's powerful. Yeah. 8,600. That's amazing. Yeah. And we're in several, Drunk Buzzers is in several different counties, not in all counties. Yeah. I know there's a lot of areas in Cook County that, that don't participate, but many counties do. Um. That's interesting. I, my, uh, so, you know, it's just cause it's on my heart at the moment. My dad passed away recently and I, and we were going through his things. Uh, I found that, um, he had attended a, a, a drinking class. I was really young, but he had attended a drinking class and he, uh, I mean, 
this is what, 83? And they gave him a journal and he wrote in it. And uh, it talked about self-destructive behaviors and things I want to let go of. And one of the things that he wrote in his handwriting was powerful to read was, I can't drive, dr I can't drive home drunk anymore. And like, when I saw that, that made me cry. Cause I was like, I was like, man, what a, you know, so the, the statistics that we talked about in our, in our pre-conversation, you know, that really stuck with me. Cause I was like, wow, I'm glad that he saw that in himself to stop. Yeah. So it really made me cry, but, um, I appreciate that. Uh, so at this moment, um, I'm going to detail just a few statistics and then we'll uh, move on in, in our discussion. So um, some data that we have from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Uh, nationally, the number of D, um, DUI traffic fatalities has been on a steady decline since the early 1980s, um, falling from 21,113 in 1983 to fewer than 10,000 a decade ago. It hovered between 10,000 and 11,000 for 2019, jumped and jumped again. Uh, in 2021, about 31% of all fatal crashes involved um, drunken drivers. And the percentage of crashes involving drivers with uh, blood alcohol concentration over the legal limit of zero, or excuse me, 0 0.08 jumped from 19% to 26% during COVID. So in a stressful time period, we did see that, um, that increase. Um, can you guys talk locally about that, that uh, increase? You'd probably be the uh, best place to do that, Joe. Yeah, uh, I can tell you that as COVID hit, um, there was a less people on the roadway, so we had less contacts. And then over the time that COVID was with us, um, we saw more activity related to uh, DUI, domestic, uh, just calls for service went up. Right. Were people more emboldened? Uh, I'm sorry. Well, no, I think it's, it, think about what happened. It all hit in March of 2020 and we all just shut ourselves in our home. And for some people, and we've talked about this on the show for domestics, that's where that rose because that family dynamic, that tension, the behavior. The drinking happened because when summer came out and everybody thought that the sunshine would somehow kill COVID, everybody got out. They were eating outside, they were going to bars, and then that's when we started to see that spike because people just wanted to go and feel something again. And so I really see that we saw the uptick and we see this every year, especially when the summer months come around, more DUIs, more right. domestics, things like that. And it just is continuing. And I think too, I was actually on, um, we have a felony review screening unit for our office where an ASA is on call 24 seven. And I actually had it the very first two weeks of COVID. Um, I don't know why I was the one that had it those first two weeks. Cause Jamie you started was, as an intern. Jamie was not here. No, no. I they knew you could that. take it. I, uh, we're going to talk to Jill McMahon. <laughs> this. I, I think it was probably because I was not I had a little bit of a nose sniffle. They didn't want me to come into the office and trade in the pager. So I was like, I'll keep it. I'll stay home and I'll do it. And what I saw was, again, that those first couple of weeks, it was all domestics and DUIs were the calls I was getting, which is not what's usual. You know, you get a variety of calls when you're on that unit for every kind of felony. And I think part of it too, like Jamie said, um, what she said is exactly correct, but also what do people do when they're trapped inside with nothing else going on? Right. Alcohol is an easy thing for right. everyone to get their hand on. And people don't think that stress drinking, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Everyone goes home and they're like, oh, it's been a tough day, I gotta have a glass of wine. Well, when that turns into a couple of glasses because things are Every stressful. Every single day, right. Well, and, and even, you know, you're stuck inside, you might've lost your job or not known what it was gonna be, don't know where your kids are gonna go for school the next couple, all of those stresses, just add on to people and right. people turn to alcohol. 
because it doesn't feel society, you know, in society, that's not like a shameful thing. And so I think that that kind of also kind of had that uptick where people were stuck inside, they had access to it, and it's not something that's a bad thing. And then, you know, you get behind the wheel of a car because you don't think you're that drunk and right. it turns bad. Right. As we talked about, buzz driving is still um, mm -hmm. drunk driving. Um, so uh, when did the DUI court establish itself as a separate and targeted court within Kane County? It's genesis, the genesis of the... Well, it, it's always been DUI court since I started here in 2005. So sometime before 2005 is my best answer. I'm going to make unit then. Um. Oh, well, so we've, the way that it's structured is that DUI misdemeanor court is all in one courtroom. Felony DUIs go through all of the felonies. At some point when I was here, way back when in 2005, when I was like 19, of course. Um, <laughs> It was, we actually had a felony courtroom that was designated for felony DUI cases. And that's, in my opinion, the way that it needs to go because then it's a topic that judges are familiar with. It's a topic that prosecutors are familiar with. You get cases through the system quicker and there's more justice. When you have to go to five different felony courtrooms to be able to do this, you're gonna see it differently everywhere. And I continue to push for this specialization. So unfortunately that went back to just generalized courtrooms. Um, I think it was probably in 2014, something like that. And then since that time, we've just been everywhere. So, but the focus on the misdemeanor DUIs has been around for a very long time in one courtroom. And okay. then once Jamie started in 2020, shortly after mm -hmm. that, we kind of separated out different units and we've had a group of prosecutors that I supervise who are especially dedicated on felony level to prosecuting okay. mm -hmm. DUI and domestic violence cases. So we've got, um, right now I think there's six-ish of us, but there's usually about eight in that unit who specialize in prosecuting those kinds of cases on a felony level and then two on a misdemeanor level. And your, um, your involvement, not just as in, you know, starting off as an intern and then becoming an attorney, um, you also have been impacted as well. So can you talk a little bit at this moment about the, 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 you know, the passion and the mission that you have with this work that you do and being a leader of the unit? Sure, so when I, after I graduated law school in um, 2017, while I was waiting to find out if I had passed the bar, um, my then boyfriend, now husband and I went down to St. Louis to hang out with some of our friends and watch a baseball game. After the game, we were, um, one of my friends was driving back in her car and a uh, drunk driver blew through a stop sign at about 40 miles an hour and totaled the car that we were riding in. Um, I thankfully was not seriously injured. I had some pretty serious whiplash injuries that affected me for about a year, but I'm thankful that it was not much worse than it was. And had my friend not seen that car coming, she would have been dead. There's no question in my mind that's uh, what was told to us. The police officer who arrived on scene, I can tell you this is nothing like St. Charles or Officer Gasky because I've worked with him many times, uh, told us that her shift was over and she didn't uh, care to investigate the DUI. That person told us she was drunk and was going to jail for hitting us. Um, and that made me furious. It made me want to make sure that that type of thing doesn't happen in the community that I live and work with. It made me want to stand up for victims in cases like that in ways that I didn't feel like my friends and I were stood up for. Um, and so it gave me that interest to kind of 
hone in and learn a lot about this area of the law because I didn't like the situation right. that I was put in. Um, and then I just kind of got into a niche of, I knew the law well, I found it interesting, I liked going to court on those cases, and I started building these relationships with victims in these cases that showed me how important of work it is and how much it, it means to have someone who's dedicated to it and who knows it well. And so that's kind of really how I took that right. path into doing it and also an education stance because I didn't know a lot about DUI law before I became an intern in it. And when I became an intern, I learned a lot and I was like, wow, there's a lot of things out there that people don't understand that I wanna shout from the rooftops and tell people about. That's what I like about doing these because um, every time that we've had one of our panels here, whatever the topic was, like to be able to talk to the actual expert in the field, the trained professional, both in the law and in legal matters, is it's, it's a really good chunk of knowledge that everybody should know about. You can protect yourself simply by knowing what could be the outcome of the, um, the actions you take. Um, okay, so what time is it? Time is 618. This is a great conversation. Anytime I have to see what time <laughs> it is, like make sure that we're, we're doing this right. How are you guys feeling? Good. All right. If you are, for those watching at home, good evening to all of you great folks out there. Um, if you have any questions, please feel free uh, to put those in the chat. Once again, this uh, interview and episode will remain on our Spotify and YouTube page as well. Um, most readily associated with what we're talking about in Kane County are our no refusal checkpoints, stops, um, which come at key times during the year. Uh, let's talk about those. Let's talk about the impact those are having and the good work that we're seeing. Um, State's Attorney, if you'd like to take that. I'm gonna take a little bit of it and then I'm gonna give it to Katie because she okay. really is the expert. So uh, these, this concept of no refusal has been around for a while. And what everybody on this call should know is that driving is a privilege, not a right, right. which means that can be taken away depending on what it is you do. That's why we have a driver's license test both the written and the driving that you have to go through. Now, the ability for a person when they're pulled over, and again, our officer does this for a living and he's one of the best in St. Charles is what I hear, is when they pull over somebody who's suspected, they do an investigation, they do field sobriety tests, and they always ask somebody to do a breathalyzer. The breathalyzer is the best way to determine the amount of alcohol that's in a person's system. Now I have to say the majority of the people who it's a first time DUI do the breathalyzer, probably because they're drunk and not making good decisions. Obviously they got in the car, but they're cooperative. They do the test, the tests show that they're drunk, the breathalyzer does. The problem that I have is that the person who now has a second, third, fourth DUI never do it because now they've learned what happens if they do those tests. And I want the statistic because this, this is huge to me. In 2021, we had 231 felony DUI cases. Now, it becomes a felony for a variety of reasons. It could be because you've had other offenses before. It could be because you're suspended for your driver's license or have no driver's license or insurance. It could be because you cause great bodily harm. It could be because you kill somebody. In Kane County, we traditionally do not charge somebody with a felony offense if they just have no license and it's their first time because we understand it's a first time offense. And we're trying to give them treatment and get them on the road the right way. 
So when we're charging felonies, we're charging multiple offenders or people who are causing great bodily harm or they're killing somebody. Right. In 2022, we went up to 360 cases, 231 to 360 cases. And what we're seeing are more people who have multiple cases in their background and more people who are causing serious injury or death to people. That's a horrifying statistic for me because I drive in this community. My husband and children, well, my children are passengers, but they drive, my friends are here. My coworkers, people I really care about are here. And we've seen that much of an increase in felons, felony DUIs. And so this idea of this no refusal, which I'm gonna put over to Katie, first originated because we did it around major holidays where people are likely to drink. The day before uh, Thanksgiving, I guess in preparation for all your family coming over, <laughs> a ton of people drink uh -huh. and get on the road. And they're always at a bar because you know they can't mess up the kitchen. Um, it can't just be that because we shouldn't be able to give people the right to refuse to do a breathalyzer because in those cases, we have a much harder time proving them because there's not as much evidence. Right. So I'm gonna go ahead and put that over to both of you because you've seen us participating in it and you obviously prosecute it. So like Jamie said, we do the no refusal events um, that are targeted towards all DUI offenders on you know particular holiday weekends or weekends where we think, or days where we think that drinking and driving is likely to be high. We've held about 30 or more no refusal since 2008 within this office. Um, we typically try and pick a day where we think drinking and driving is gonna be big. So Super Bowl Sunday, um, Black Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, like Jamie said, ha um, St. Patrick's Day, Halloween, New Year's Eve. Yeah. Um, and we're planning more no refusals for this upcoming year, two or three probably between now and the end of the year. We're kinda trying to finalize those details. Um, but what Jamie let me do and let me run with was a hold on a second what Katie uh -oh. came up with <laughs> this is gonna be good and brought to me so I appreciate is, it super important for everybody to understand I didn't come up with this brilliant idea that is Katie I appreciate it um is to basically turn Kane County into a no refusal county on serious level DUI felonies across the board Sure. So we are um, yesterday officially kind of announced to our office and the emails going out to the officers to have a policy where in felony DUI cases in certain situations, we are going to instruct officers and assist officers in getting search warrants to obtain blood, breath, or urine from these felony DUI offenders. So we want people to know that if you drive drunk in Kane County, and you choose to refuse chemical testing, we're not gonna end it there. We're gonna go get our evidence to make sure we prosecute these serious offenders and that they're not getting off um, because we can't prove them guilty or we don't have as strong of a case as we would like. We're gonna take that extra step. Um, we've got grant funding that's gonna help us do that to kind of alleviate any costs. And I'm very excited about it because I do think it'll keep our roadways safer and I think it'll give our office better tools to prosecute people who continue to choose to drink and drive. And I'm hoping that the police departments are Absolutely. as excited as I am, because I'm very excited. Joe was over there smiling the whole time. <laughs> the, goal, the goal of us is to, to build the best case we can for them, to get justice for what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and to have an on-call judge 24-7 available is gonna be awesome. Um, I know I've woken up judges in the middle of the night at their homes, it's not mm -hmm. fun, but it's part of my job, I'll do it. Um, but to have them available and utilize technology is going to be awesome. Yes. So um, you mentioned that um, the 
it's when you were talking about the uh, your your story um, too as well. One of the things that I like about the no refusal because when I see or I started seeing the posts um, about hey folks coming up on Christmas or whatever, no refusal checkpoints are going. I start seeing them shared in different groups on Facebook or what have you, um, and I like how direct it is to make people stop doing something that could potentially take someone's life because we know that like in college towns i mean for a long time it's possible to rip and run down the roadway drinking and that's just good old fun it's always had that 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 kind of um impact you know it's just been ingrained like we're talking about the uh the infamous drunk tank, which is just part of American culture. Oh, just sleep it off. Mm -hmm. It's always been looked at as something that's not that bad until someone loses their life. Then it's a serious thing. So I, I, I like the fact that you guys do that. And I like the fact that the county um, would do that and take that step because you know what? It's like, if you're not gonna protect each other, we'll do the protecting um, of each other. But I did wanna note though, that, that you mentioned that the the collection of the evidence is going to be really targeted for the felony offender. The, the misdemeanor um, DUI offender doesn't... So the, the misdemeanor usually, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but a first-time offender is usually very compliant and okay. they give us the evidence, which is a breathalyzer, right. because that's what we want, because the breathalyzer is going to show if they're .08 or higher, okay. then we go and we can prove the case. What everybody should know is that in these cases, we're trying to get people help. When it's a first time offender, most of the time, it's also because somebody just made a really dumb decision. Right. Because guess what? When you're drunk, you make dumb decisions. News flash for everybody on Spotify right, right now. Right. But we try to get them help. So we look at them, we get them the appropriate level of counseling. They go to victim impact panels like Carrie was talking about and she can give more of a description. But we're trying to get people to understand the cause and effect nature of this. The problem that we're seeing is that when it gets to the second time, Okay, that first time wasn't enough. Not even the arrest was enough to scare you. It wasn't enough for you to make a better decision to get into an Uber or a Lyft, call a friend, walk home, do whatever. And there's so many resources out there. When it gets to the second, the third, and the fourth one, now we know this is becoming even more dangerous and the likelihood of that person striking and hurting or killing a person just keeps going up. And so if we have evidence in a case it doesn't mean we're sending somebody to jail or prison, but it means that we're able to get them help to intervene. And as you know from our last one, we now have DUI Treatment Court. Right. And DUI Treatment Court is a specialty court that's designed for those high risk, high, um, high risk, high need, thank you, I almost lost that one, high risk, high need offenders who are these multiple people. We're doing what we can to intervene, get to the root of the problem and stop it, but we also need the evidence to force people to take accountability. And that's what's called chemical testing, correct? Yep. Okay. And I mean, there's other, obviously, evidence that we can have people's driving field sobriety tests, mm -hmm. non-standardized field sobriety tests. And also to kind of answer your question in addition to Jamie, I don't know that someday we won't be a no refusal county across the board on felonies and misdemeanors, but you have to start somewhere. And it's not cheap to necessarily have to do these blood draws. So to get grant funding for these things is a process. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm excited that we're starting somewhere and someday maybe in the future if it's going well, which I think it will, we can you know talk about getting, because like Jamie said, it's not 
in every one of these cases, just because we have this evidence, we're going to prosecute you differently. We're going to treat everyone the way we would treat them normally. It just helps us not lose cases at trial because we don't have a chemical result and people are, you know, saying, oh, I wasn't drunk, I was just sleepy or things right. like that. That's really the goal is to have that evidence at the end of the day. And I think in the future, we will work towards having that in all of the cases too. And for the record, past breathalyzer results showing intoxication can be used in uh, against the person, right? Only in the case in which they did the breathalyzer. Okay, yeah. okay. It right. can't be used in, if they pick up a second one, we can't bring in the other one. Okay, all right. See, these are key questions, ladies and gentlemen, key questions. Okay, the time is 629. Um, so, now I want to talk about DRE, Drug Recognition Expert Certification. Joe, tell us about that. Take us on a journey. Take us on. <laughs> so, <laughs> typically, uh, a police officer go through basic field sobriety. It's a DWI detection and standardized field sobriety. Field DWI. Yeah, DWI. Oh, DWI. Uh, and then, uh, and or what does that stand for? DWI, driving while intoxicated. Um, it's a standardized field sobriety test that typically you'll see on a, a DUI. Um, a step further from that is another acronym, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's A-RIDE, A-R-I-D-E. It's Advanced Roadside Impaired Driving Enforcement. Um, and then a step above that, uh, more training and knowledge, is the came from the, the Drug Evaluation and Classification Program, which started in uh, LA. Um, it's been around since the late 70s. Um, basically, what they do is a standard of, um, it's a 12-step evaluation. Different from the other 12 steps yeah. where you admit your alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's related to um, categorizing um, whether or not it's one or multiple categories of what a person may be under the influence of based on training and experience. Okay. Okay. Um, and it's related to uh, there are seven drug categories that, they, uh, that the drug evaluation and classification program has. Keep going. Can you share those with us? Or sure. Is there... sure. Um, typically, alcohol. I mean, alcohol is a depressant, so okay. it falls under CNS depressants. Okay. Um, there's CNS stimulants, which is um, I just to give you an example, like Adderall. Right. Or cocaine is a stimulant as well. Um, after stimulants, there's hallucinogens, okay. so psilocybin mushrooms, or what's being thrown around in a lot of podcasts lately, your ayahuasca, that kind of stuff. The stuff that makes you um, trip. Okay. Um, or acid, uh, okay. people know LSD as well. Um, after hallucinogens, there's dissociative anesthetics. Um, that's the what they used to call the PCP category. Right. Um, but that also has, aside from PCP, uh, it has uh, ketamine um, in that category as well. And then you have your narcotic analgesics, which is your opiates, okay. um, heroin, uh, Dilaudid, um, just to give you a couple examples. Um, and then there's inhalants. Um, which is a specific category to um, volatile gases, uh, uh, nitrous oxide, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, people do whippets, people do dust off. Unfortunately, it's prevalent in our society. The, for those, that's the keyboard cleaner. Keyboard cleaner, that's people, right. I've seen people on the street use it and, and huff that, unfortunately. Um, and then the last one would be cannabis. Yeah. Um, it's its own category. For those counting, that was all seven. So well done. Yeah. That, was, that, that was all seven. Um, so now the average person wouldn't be able to detect necessarily if a person is on cannabis or another stimulant. And that background experience that you have um, is really key. But is that is that training for all 
police officer. Is that standard so, training? No, or? it's not standard training. Um, right now, I think the, I believe the statistic is one percent of police officers are uh, DRE certified. One percent. Um, and it's it's growing nationally. It's an internationally recognized program as well. It's uh, done through uh, the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration and the uh, International Association of Chiefs of Police. Okay. Um, and it's typically most police officers are going to be your, your basic standardized field sobriety trained in the academy. Um, and then there's been a push to get everyone through A-Ride um, to kind of bridge that gap in between uh, alcohol and drugs. Okay. And then uh, moving forward, you're going to see more DREs as well. Which okay. we need to because um, cannabis is decriminalized. Remember, not legalized, decriminalized, which sure. means you can have it if you're buying it from a store, not from somebody on the corner, um, and you can only have certain amounts because that's what our law. So that's why I say decriminalize because if you have more than that, if you buy it illegally, it's still illegal. Right. The problem is that people now see that as legal, they use it, they're high, they get into a car. Because much like alcohol, when we've made it available and you take some of the stigma off of it, it's okay to do it and then get into a vehicle. Mm -hmm. and it's you, not okay, everybody should know that. You may see impairment for up to 24 hours. Yes. Well, that's something I know we talked about when we talked before this was, I don't think people understand what a drug means. A drug is any substance that you can ingest into your body that will impair you, and that's something that they teach in A-Ride and the DRE school. So Benadryl can be a drug if yep. you're under the influence of it. Anything mm -hmm. like that can be a drug and you see more and more people with these prescription medications who are taking them, being impaired by them and driving. So our DREs are super important to have in these cases because they give us critical evidence and critical testimony um, to win those drug cases, especially when people don't agree to submit to chemical testing. Right. I can tell you, in my career, um, it's helped me observe and be able to articulate better. Not, not necessarily just on my police report, but in court. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Very big impact, very big impact. All right, the time is 6.35. Um, so the next question I wanna talk about is the um, grants and other initiatives and the STEP grant. Now we talked about that a little bit yesterday. Can you detail what the STEP grant is? So it's a grant that's uh, done through the Department of Transportation. Um, it's called the Sustained Enforcement uh, or Saturation uh, Patrol, Sustained Enforcement Patrol, I believe. Um, but it, it brings more officers on the street um, specifically locating uh, or looking for uh, a few a variety of um, offenses DUI is one of them but uh, your cell phone use and abuse while while driving and then seat belts as well cell phone use and abuse while driving okay um, you shouldn't be texting and driving no but what's the other abuse what other abuse could there be with a so being distracted while driving utilizing the cell phone okay emailing right. while driving yeah. sure yeah calendar. yeah I mean we, I, we've lost people especially motorcycle drivers yep. or riders, because you can't see a motorcyclist as well as you can a big car. Right. And if you're on your phone yep. and you decide to change lanes, more people, more motorcycle riders are killed because of just nonsense like that. Mm -hmm. And so we've had people, uh, Chris Hansen from Abate, he came and did a commercial with us so that we could try to get people to put the stuff down and drive somewhere safely because we've lost so many people this year alone. Right. Yeah, that's at uh, Chris Hansen and, and the Abate Group. For, it's a Duquesne really good group. Abate, Duquesne yes. Abate, a brotherhood aimed towards education. Yes. Good group, good group. Um, 
Okay, so it's the SEP grant, not STEP. Sorry, Sustained Traffic Enforcement Program. Tra oh, okay, sorry. all right. I was making sure that <laughs> I, I didn't hear they that. I remember a lot of acronyms. <laughs> I take it so like seriously, too, with these acronyms. Like, did I hear that wrong? Um, okay, and now I want to talk about the Drunk Buster uh, program a little bit more. Now, that was the $100 program, uh, the $100 um, payment to folks, and 8,600 people um, have been taken off the road. Correct. Because of that, okay. Now, is over. is there like um, is there like a flyer or anything that that we could have, or is, is there media Absolutely. that exists to share? Absolutely. Okay. They can share that with you. Okay, because I want people to. I'd like to see that get used more. Uh, I really would. Yeah, I'd like to see that get used more. Personally, so, I've had three people call in in the same week, and it led to three arrests in one week related to DUIs. So, okay. Big impact. And Big every impact. time that, that happens, I am happy to fill out that form. I know our officers in St. Charles are happy to fill out that form as well. Okay. If your gut tells you something's wrong, they're impaired or there's something wrong, call. Mm -hmm. If they're not, you know, no harm, no foul. But if they are, you know, you may have very well saved a life. Right. We will follow up on that. So it's not like it just goes unnoticed and something, right. you know, we will follow up on that as well. Okay, um, so this is a good time to detail. Um, I want to do a couple more of our statistics here, but then also um, we have the Kane County um, DUI numbers. I want to take them down by year because uh, this is really good information for folks to understand. So in 2016, there were 148, 2017, 130, 2018, 120, and then 2019, 97, then in 2020, 75. Um, now we talked about the, you know, the uptick due to COVID, but that data is really impressive. So kudos to the St. Charles Police Department and the, and the good work that you guys are doing um, uh, with this. Okay, so a couple more uh, statistics. So um, now you mentioned, Jamie, the 360 cases. I'll admit mm -hmm. that. So of the four fatal DUI cases, and this is going to the information in uh, 2021 to 2022, um, the oldest driver was 27 at the time of the crash. The rest were younger than 20. Further, all faced charges involving an allegation of the presence of drugs in their system. So young people and drugs um, is already a uh, you know, terrible mix. Adding alcohol with that is just really sad. Uh, very tragic. Through September 15th, our office had filed 265 new felony DUI cases in 2023. That's on target to roughly equal the 2022 total. Um, using cannabis can negatively affect the skills needed to drive safely, including reaction time, coordination, and concentration, increasing the risk of a crash. And adding music and speeding and a couple of drinks with friends, going over to this backyard party and I'm going here. Um, all of that is a really unhealthy mix, um, which could lead to uh, a crash. Um, okay. Now, let's talk about uh, Beyond Driver's Ed. Now, I have to tell you about Beyond Driver's Ed. When, I, when you said that yesterday, you know what came to my mind? Scared Straight. Remember that? Yes. You guys remember Scared Straight? Yes. I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I didn't watch mm -hmm. that. Um, let's talk about Beyond Driver's Ed, please. Uh, Beyond Driver's Ed is a great program. Um, it takes it one step further than what you're getting in your driver's education program. Okay. Um, it is aimed towards you know kids that have their driver's permit, driver's license, and to teach them about um, drowsy driving, distracted driving, 
uh, any sort of impaired driving. And it shows our prevention and education specialist, she's really great about, we've got impairment goggles, and so kids can come up and use them. And uh, she makes it fun to learn, you know, without boring you to death with statistics um, about all these different things that can hurt you, kill you, or somebody else. And so I think it's really important to get to our young people before they end up in these victim impact panels and into court and or prison. And can you explain a victim impact panel? So what a victim impact panel is, um, it's n usually DUI offenders. Uh, sometimes people that are speeding have a, um, will sometimes be ordered to come, um, but they need to, in order to complete their probation, they need to come to a victim impact panel and um, AIM runs in, I'm not even sure how many counties because we're just getting back, but in a lot of counties, we speak, um, people like myself who have lost somebody to an impaired driver, we have offender speakers that are very, very impactful as well. And we share what you know an impaired driver has done to our life um, and try to get through to them in that way. It's not about shaming them. Right. Um, it's not, you know, I, I don't care how much somebody drinks. It's, I care that you have a plan in place and that you, you know, you don't get behind the wheel. And if we can change, you know, how, well, hopefully, we always hope we can help, help more than one person. But I always say, if I can help one person in that room, then my child didn't die in vain. Right. And so, you know, that's, that's our hope is to change people's habits. Are, are there ever folks who are reluctant to share and be on the impact panels? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's hard. Um, it's really hard to get up there and bare your soul the worst night of your life mm -hmm. to a room full of strangers. Um, everybody at work knows I hate public speaking. <laughs> like with a passion, like my hands shake like this to this day. The I time is 6.42 p.m. You're watching Good Morning. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I don't like yeah. it. Um, but I, I do it because I think it's really, really important um, to try to change people's way of thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank you for doing that, and thanks for the work thank you. that you do. Uh, I, when people are able to step out of their comfort zone for the, you know, in this case, not the greater good, but for to educate others and help others and, and make a, a bigger, broader impact, that's really key, so. I, I know it's not easy to do public speaking. Um, you know, I know, believe me, I, I do know, but I do feel that like once that moment comes on, you have to say, when, once your voice is fired up and you need, it to get it, need to get it out, you always will find a way to do that. So yeah. thanks for sharing that. Um, now, State's Attorney Monster, mm -hmm. how does everything that we've spoken about tonight fit into the overall vision of the Canyon County State's Attorney's Office? So my goal when coming in here was to try to find solutions to problems because I could be like everybody else and say DUI is a problem, but that's not gonna stop people from doing it. And so my goal is always to try to find different ways to stop what's happening and to get involved in people's lives to change it. Now, one of the best things is to surround myself with brilliant people who come up with ideas like Katie did. Um, and so that's why she got the go with it because it was a brilliant idea. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, but the other part is that there are different ways to help people. So I think every single one of us in this room 
has had a drink at some point and probably had more than we should and probably got into a car. It's a reality because we make stupid decisions and there's always the but for the grace of God go I type of a saying where we all made it home. That doesn't happen to everybody. Obviously Carrie had to experience that in her whole life, in her life. So many people had and we've heard these stories. What was it two Halloweens ago? A drunk driver with three people in the car crashed into a bus. That is three blocks from my house. I saw that on my way home from my kids trick-or-treating. We all have these stories where this is happening and lives are irreparably changed. So how can I, at a first-time offender, a multiple offender, a person who's caused harm, get involved to stop this behavior from happening? I could throw somebody in jail or prison. That doesn't mean it's gonna stop it. Right. And we know this, we know mass incarceration doesn't work. And sometimes we do need to put people in prison because mm -hmm. the harm that they've caused is so bad that there's nothing else we can do but do that. But there are so many people that if I just do better as a prosecutor, I'm going to get to them. So the VIP, um, we do restorative justice meetings with victims and defendants in DUI cases where they've been hurt. And these are some of the most powerful meetings because that DUI offender truly sees the harm that is caused. And that is more effective than jail in a lot of cases. So by having a multi-tiered approach, not only working with our law enforcement, who's fantastic, making sure that they are as proactive as possible in getting to these people before an accident, but us doing everything that we can to make sure that we're doing individual justice in every single case, I believe we're gonna start to see a shift down of those numbers so that we can get back to what it was pre the pandemic so that our streets are just safer overall. In the meantime, while still telling everybody, I'm gonna get the evidence because we're going to go out and proactively do it with our law enforcement and fantastic prosecutors. Yes, that's right. Uh, it was it was blood or urine samples. You will get that. You or guys breath. will or breath or breath. So be warned. <laughs> be warned. Choose the breath before they can <laughs> <laughs> Um um Okay, so I think the last thing to talk about we didn't uh, detail um, your time in law enforcement. How many years have you uh, been in law enforcement, Joe? I've been a police officer for 14 years. Oh, I've been right. with the city of St. Charles for five. Um, Where were you before? I was with Winfield. Oh, okay. Yeah. A couple towns over. Yeah. Okay, well, you're in a better town now, right? It was a bigger, better opportunity. I'm thankful for it. Yeah, all right. Us too. Um, I, I wonder, because you mentioned uh, restorative justice, mm -hmm. and uh, I do know that the I don't think they're called victim impact panels in the other courts, but uh, Kane County does introduce an offender to an aggrieved person in different in different courts that you guys have. I do know that. So bringing yes. bringing people together to solve issues mm -hmm. um, prior to incarcerating someone happens here in Kane County. Right. Um, I'm curious though, from your point of view as a police officer, is the is the culture shifting on how? these people are treated I mean I believe so um, okay. seeing seeing justice happen in the courtroom I think so okay um, how would you feel about all officers being trained for DRA that's a heavy task um, but I mean if that's available through funding that'd be amazing mm -hmm. okay because it's the funding issue that's that's really the, uh, the key so time okay. yeah time so I can tell you the DRE program that I went through um, it was two months uh, on top of uh, just being in, in a, a room in uh, Southern Illinois, in Springfield, being trained by the troopers, 
Um, it, I don't know if they have the time and energy and funding to train every, every officer, single, every single sure, officer sure. in Illinois. Um, a ride is a great start, um, but the more DREs that we could have on the streets, I, I believe, would lead lead to a safer community. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I brought that up because I like the way law enforcement's going. Mm -hmm. I, I've you know. I've seen a definite shift in the culture, the nature of law enforcement. And I do believe that when police officers distinguish themselves with other training, with other credentials, when they take that time, it makes for a better officer. I can Dare tell you, I say, I, you know, I've, yeah, I can tell you that a lot of training leads to more confidence. Okay. Uh, more confidence leads to uh, better outcomes and more professionalism. Yep, I, 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 that's what it is. That's you said it. More outcomes and better professionalism. Um, and I can tell you that again. What attracted me to St. Charles is we train a, a, a variety of topics, but we train more often than other departments. Okay. So what's next for you? Uh, continue to be a police officer. Here okay. in St. Charles. Yes. Here in St. Charles. <laughs> Stay here. Keep your DRE up to date. Yeah. you know, I'll be not I will talk to or... Chief Keegan specifically about this, who is a fantastic chief that's really encouraged all the training. Our chief in St. Charles is wonderful. Yeah, well, I want to I ask those questions from a novice perspective, obviously, but I ask those questions because I do want I, I do want to give that nod to law enforcement because the outcomes for people now, even if you do make that, stu that, that stupid mistake, are better than they have been. I mean, mm -hmm. it, you know, I, I can remember a time where no matter what it was, like even if the can of beer was empty, like you're going to the slammer. Not everybody just needs to go to prison or jail. So finding that balance with which to help people but still maintain that safety mm -hmm. is being enforced is, is key. So kudos to you guys, man. And kudos to you guys. All right, so the time is 6.50 p.m. Everyone who is watching, thank you guys very much for your nice, kind comments. We appreciate you guys so much. We hope that you guys are able to learn something from this. And as mentioned, the links uh, to the organizations of all of our guests, um, panelists, will be in the uh, description of this video. So to close, I think what we'll do is we will get some last words from you guys. We'll ask a couple more key details. I want to know how we can get, well, we get the information about Drunk Buster, yes, and Beyond Scared, or um, Beyond Scared Strength, <laughs> uh, Beyond Drivers. Beyond Drivers. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different. That's a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> New program. Yeah, um, we'll get that information, and we'll be happy to share that on our networks to make sure that people um, can get that information. Um, so let's do some last words, and Jamie, we will end with mm -hmm. you for the last word, um, and Joe, we'll start. We'll start with you for the last word. What is your what do you want people to know to take away from this conversation? Um, what should they understand? Uh, just make better decisions. Um, all decisions have consequences, whether or not they're positive or negative. Um, and just to, to go into it making a smarter decision that leads to a positive. It may be a difficult decision. It may be the harder path, but it would lead to a positive outcome. Does that, does that make sense? It does. Well, yeah. um, actually, before we move to Katie, what's the chance of doing uh, a ride along with you? Yeah, uh, I mean, you can, absolutely. Okay. Um, we can we can make it happen. Um, okay. And then if you're in, if people are interested, uh, St. Charles does have a Citizens Police Academy to go through. Um, we have a, a Facebook 
group as well, our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure information would go out on when the next Citizens Police Academy, so you can go through and see what we do and how St. Charles differs from other police departments. Okay, because we have from St. Charles, we have a lot of St. Charles listeners. Okay, so yeah, we'll shout that out. We'll shout that out. Absolutely. Okay. I think I'm mostly going to echo what Joe said in that what we want, what I want, is to not ever have to face a family full of people who have lost their loved ones again. I don't want to send people to prison. I don't want to send people to jail. I don't want to see a single person in our DUI forums. I would love to be out of a job. I don't think Jamie would fire me, but no, I would I love would not. to not have the job I have because it's such a preventable thing to not get intoxicated and get behind the wheel. I think Carrie said it earlier. No one's judging you if you drink or if you do any of those things. Just please don't drive. There are so many options out there to keep yourself and everyone else on the roadway safe. So if you're going to choose to do those things, which no one's asking you not necessarily not to make that choice, just please don't put yourself and everyone else in that position. And know that if you choose to, we will be here to either offer you treatment or to prosecute you and do the justice that we do every day, depending on the circumstances and depending on what happens. And hopefully, if you get to that point, we can convince you that it wasn't the right choice and you'll never make it again. That's my goal, is to never have another drunk driver on the road. I don't think I'll get there because I don't think it's possible, but that's a hope that I have. In the words of Nelson Mandela, it always <laughs> seems impossible till it's done. I have a really boring job in civil for her when we eliminate DUI, so I don't. <laughs> you will always be employed. <laughs> Rita, thank you, thank you very much. She says, great conversation. We appreciate it, Rita. Thank you very much. Karen? Um, well, Katie and Joe said exactly what I was going to say. Um, you know, it, again, to, to mimic what they said, I, it's about making a choice. Um, I just want people to make better choices. Uh, I I don't wish my life on anybody. I would love to never, like Katie said, meet another family that is going through what I've gone through and what so many others have gone through. Um, so if people just, and it's so easy, you know, with, with Lyft and Uber, mm -hmm. there really is just no reason for it these days. Um, and I would love to be out of a job as well. So, you I'll know. Hire you for <laughs> But I just, you know, I, I just, I, I just wish people would just make the better decision, make a plan before they go out, and you know, I think it would help greatly. All right. Um, and state attorney monster. So when I walk in here every day, I walk in as your state's attorney, and I see a variety of cases: simple traffic offenses, speeding cases, running a stop sign, all the way up through homicide cases. I have to tell you these DUI cases affect me more than I think Katie has even seen or people know because I'm also a mom and I see these cases and when I see these young kids who have killed somebody because they are high or drunk and they get into a car and it's a family member or a friend of theirs or a stranger who just happened to be on the road, I think of my kids because I have a 14 year old who is about to be 15 and he's going to drive. 
and he hears these conversations probably more than most kids do because I'm his mom, sorry Parker. And my daughters will hear this too because I want him always to be safe. So he's gonna know that if he goes to a party and there's drinking, he will always get picked up by me because I don't want him to be in that situation where he either chooses to be the driver or he's in a car with a drunk driver. Because I don't want to see my child go to prison and live knowing that they have taken the life of somebody and I certainly don't want to lose my child in the way that Carrie and others have lost their child. So this is why I do it. And when I come in here and we face these discussions, and Katie and I have had some very good discussions, because I come in with a mindset of rehabilitation and she has that too, but sometimes it's hard to see that when it's the third or fourth or fifth time they get behind a wheel. Because right. drinking when you have addiction, we totally understand that, but why do you get behind a wheel? And in a lot of these cases, you have to figure it out. And we had a really good case where it was this person's fourth DUI, and the judge wanted to send him to four years of prison, which would have been a four-month turnaround because of all of his time in. And I wanted to put him on four years of probation. I wanted to put him on the SCRAM bracelet, which is Secured Continuous Remote Access Monitoring, right? I just wanted to do that. I don't know what the acronym is. is. Nice. Um, nice. It is an alcohol bracelet that monitors if right. alcohol goes into your system. And then we'll know if you're drinking. This is also a person who chose to go on very intense probation where his job every day was going over to the jail and being one of the cooks. So they had their eyes on him at all times. Oh, wow. This is the longest that individual has ever been sober. So he has not committed any new acts. He has not tested positive for anything. He has a job. More importantly, he is not getting into the a wheel of a car or <clears throat> behind a wheel of a car drunk for the fifth time. But we did that because we really tried to do something different and it was uncomfortable, but sometimes we have to make those uncomfortable decisions because we never want to be in a situation where we have to look at a family or I have to look at a kid going to prison for the next six years, 10 years, whatever the time is for it. So to everybody who's watching this, first of all, thank you for taking the time to do so. Curtis, as always, your questions are fantastic. Thank you, friends. This is about prevention, because every single one of these is preventable. We will help, but we will also prosecute when something happens. Just remember every single person on the road, including yourself, because I have to tell you, statistically, the drunk driver lives. Everyone else dies. Right. On that sobering note, well, I turn it over to you, Curtis. Well, thank you very much, State's Attorney Mosser. Thank you very much to all of the uh, viewers tonight and the listeners who will hear this. We'll be happy to share the information as mentioned uh, to you guys in links and on our page as well. This, in, uh, this interview will also be on the State's Attorney's page and uh, their social media channels as well. So you can continue to watch this forever. Thank you once again, <laughs> forever. Uh, thank you once again to our great panelists. We appreciate all of their hard work, and we look forward to more of these great discussions with our partners in law enforcement and the Kane County State's Attorney's Office in the very near future. Have a great evening. Take care of yourself and each other.